Welcome to the PBO Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. Your host here, Eve Vanderbilt, with his trusted canine sidekick, Woody, where we bring you the news raw, unfiltered, and with no chaser. Welcome to another segment of the PBL Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. E. Vandervliet here with this trusted canine co-host, Woody. Woody, how you doing? Woof. Hey, you've heard that wolf before. With that wolf comes an ask, and Woody's ask for you is this. Very simple. It's an ask, but will not cost you anything. Uh, two ways you can support the show. One is if you're listening to us on Apple iTunes, please subscribe to the channel and give us a five-star rating. That'll help move us up in the algorithms, and it will absolutely do wonders for the show thank you very much and if you are watching on youtube please subscribe 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 if you're not watching on youtube shame on you you need to watch us on youtube as well and go over there on youtube find our channel politics and brown liquor and subscribe even if you don't listen even if you don't watch it'll help again move us up in the algorithm and that's how we can offset the big tech giants and they can't do anything about it if you do that by the way. So please, please subscribe, like, share, all that fun stuff. But especially on our YouTube channel, please do subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you're listening to this on iTunes, uh, please like and share and give us five-star ratings or subscribe as well. All right, let's get into it. We are one day outside of the election and there's more than just the presidential election going on. Obviously, uh, you know, it is a, in a very important time, as I've discussed, that if the Democrats get control of the presidency and get control of the Senate. Who knows what they're going to do? You saw, if you listened to the recent previous segment, please do so, that Kamala Harris has just basically come right out and is advocating for communism. And, you know, I know communism is, communism is one of those old canards to scare people. I mean, in the 50s and the 60s and all that good stuff. But it's real, folks. It's real. There are a lot of people out there and it's growing in numbers that believe we should embrace communism as a nation they believe it's a utopia that can and should exist that from each his own or what is it what is it saying from each his own according to his ability you know basically they are saying that you contribute what you're able to contribute and you'll get in return to what you're contributing. And as you saw in the Kamala Harris video or heard it in the last segment is no people don't, everyone starts out, you know, some people just don't start off as well as others. And we've got to close that equity gap. It's communism, ladies and gentlemen. And if you want that, then vote for Biden because that's what you'll get. Vote for Democrat senators because that's what you get. Remember if you listen to the previous episode, all you have are the polls. So let's talk about polls. Let's look at some polls for Senate races. Now, again, I've, I've talked about this before. Don't talk about the Senate race as much as I do the presidential race. Obviously, the presidential race is the Super Bowl. It's the big one, right? Well, real clear politics, again, it's probably for a layman's person perspective, it's probably the best app best site out there that you can use because it goes by aggregates. It takes all the polls, puts them into one aggregate. So right now they have 45 Democrat Senate seats, leaning Democrats, 46 Republican leaning Republicans. So that's changed, by the way, recently. It was um, 45 and 45, or actually it was 46, 46. But the Arizona race went from leans Democrat to toss up. And the Minnesota race went from leans Democrat to toss up. So you've got two races that have gone from leaning Democrat to toss up. So there are nine toss up races right now in the Senate. This is why it's so important that the Republicans retain the Senate. It, 
the House, I mean, is it possible that a Trump wave could bring the House to the GOP? Absolutely, it's possible, but probable, not so much. I believe he's going to win like 20 plus seats for that to happen. Uh, it, it's happened in the past. It could very much happen now, but I, unless this is a landslide election for Donald Trump, uh, again, I don't think it's going to be. I think he's going to win, but I don't see a landslide election. Uh, I don't see the House going to the GOP, and I don't want it to go to the GOP. I want the Democrats to retain the House. Now, I will not vote for a Democrat in the House if there's one on the ballot, and they are, or they're all on the ballot. I will vote for a Republican, but I will not, I'll never vote for a Democrat, period. But I want them to retain the House. I want them, and here's why. Donald Trump will be reelected. The Senate needs to stay in the GOP's hands. That Give the Democrats something so we can watch them flail and just go Bat shit, shit crazy. <clears throat> you want to see that. Now, here's why you want to see it. They need to have a little bit of power to keep them in the game, to get them knocked out completely. Because if they keep the House and they don't win back the Senate and they don't win the presidency, they've already lost the court, the judiciary. They won't be able to pack it and change the face of the judiciary. They will go crazy. And we'll see it, and they'll go even further in the hole, the leftist hole, than they already are. They'll go so far to the left because they, their anger, they won't get it. They won't, they, they should, they should, they, they should absolutely see what's happening and revamp their party, start running to the middle, but they won't. What's going to happen if they retain the House, they lose the Senate, they lose the presidency, they're going to go crazy, and we'll get to see it unfold. And why is that a good thing? It's a good thing because in 2022, we vote them out of the House. The House goes back to the Republicans. The Republicans hold the House, the Senate, the presidency, and the judiciary. And then we can have some real change happen in this nation. And the Democrat Party can be relegated to the dustbins of history. I believe it is time for the Democrat Party to be canceled. It's time for them to go away. They're the oldest functioning party, political party in the United States, and it's time Either they revamp how they are, who they are, or they just go away. They're so far radical to the left, America cannot survive Democrats in control. We just can't. It'll, it, they inch, they're in, actually, they're not even inching. They're, they're running towards socialism, inching towards communism. That's the ultimate goal, is a complete takeover of government of everything in the nation. Yeah, I know, I know. Call me paranoid, whatever. But they're not going to get it because Trump will win re-election, and it looks like the GOP is going to hold the House. There are nine toss-up Senates. I mean the Senate, not the House. There are nine toss-ups. So Minnesota is a new toss-up. And Jason Lewis is running against Tina Smith. Smith is up five points. If you remember last week, Jason Lewis was in the hospital for a hernia. He's out now, and he's fully recovered. So successful surgery, successful GOP U.S. Senate candidate Jason Lewis. I'm not sure if he's out on the campaign trail, but he is full. He's recovered, and he's looking good in the race. There is a possibility that, and it and it is not a strong possibility. It is a slim possibility that. He could, he could win the Senate. We could take a seat in Minnesota, of all places. If President Trump wins Minnesota, I believe that um, Jason Lewis will benefit from that and win that Senate seat in Minnesota. It's a long shot. Sure, sure. Maybe not a long shot. Maybe a medium shot. 
because it's a toss-up now. And then you got Iowa. Uh, Joni Ertz was been trailing Teresa Greenfield, the Democrat um, opponent, for a while, and now Ernst is up. She's up in the aggregate by two points. Now, again, one of the things that's different about Senate races and presidential races, these, these are local races. I mean, they're statewide races, yes. So they're just polling the state. And it's not a national election, so they're not polling national. So the, the Senate races are a little more fine-tuned as far as the polling. So I'm not saying believe in the polling. Again, it's all looking for the trends. The trends have turned in Iowa. So I believe Iowa stays in the – the Republicans keep the Iowa center seat. Uh, so that's 47 now because Republic. let's start with this map I'm looking at. It's the RCP map, 46. I believe Ernst holds her seat, so that's 47. And then you got Arizona. Um, McSally has been trailing Kelly, but uh, this one's iffy. This one is still on the fence, but Kelly had a little bit of a controversy a couple weeks ago, but in politics, a couple weeks is a long time. And that country was one of his campaign staff uh, was reported to have said, F the police. Yeah, that's nice of them, isn't it? That's a Democrat for you. Now, it's a long shot at this point that McSally holds her seat. Eh, I shouldn't say a long shot. I guess it's a short shot as well. Kelly's up 5.8 in the aggregate. So if Trump can win Arizona, there's a chance it could bring McSally up. I'm keeping that one as a toss-up. And then here in Georgia, Purdue versus Ossoff. Ossoff now is ahead in the polls, but it ain't, it ain't, it ain't going to happen. Uh, Ossoff will not win the Senate seat here in Georgia. I live in Georgia. I see it on the ground. Very few Ossoff signs. I see Purdue signs all over the place. Uh, I, I just don't see that Ossoff is going to be able to pull off the victory here in Georgia. I think Purdue will hold it. So I'm going to say that's going back in Republicans. So with Ernst, 47, Purdue, we're now back up to 48. And then there's Collins in Maine. Uh, Collins, her, her opponent is up six points. She's a wishy-washy Republican. Um, I, I just don't see her holding. I think she's one where the, the Republicans lose that seat. And then you got Michigan. You got uh, John James, who is a Republican running against Gary Peters, who is a Democrat. John James is black. Peters is white. Not that that matters. But you've got, I thought, kind of funny, Barack Obama actively campaigning for Peters, so not the black guy. Because, you know, their identity politics, their identity politics only if it's a Democrat. It's not identity politics if it's a Republican. So black Republican, no. Uh, Black Democrat, yes. Black, white Democrat, yes. So really, in a sense, it's not about identity politics with the Democrats. <laughs> it's, it's so that's, a, that's just all BS that they kind of feed you and use it as a wedge against uh, you and calling you a racist if you don't vote for the black Democrat. But if you vote for the black Republican, you're still a racist because, you know, you just are. But there's a lot of... Uh, uh, dust up in Michigan that John James could take that seat uh, from Peters. If Trump wins Michigan, uh, James wins that seat. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna keep that one in the toss up. I'm not gonna give that one to the GOP just yet. Uh, then you got the Minnesota race, which just recently got thrown into the toss up, which is interesting. So in Minnesota, <clears throat> Jason Lewis, as I said, he's He's trailing Smith by five points. If it's another one, if Trump wins Minnesota, I think that goes in Republicans. So that's going to stay toss-up too. 
Uh, then you've got <clears throat> Danes in Montana. Danes is a Republican, and he, for you know, right now, Bullock, who he's running against, who's running against him, I should just went up in the aggregate. But he, in all of the polls, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven polls. Only one poll has Bullock up. All the other polls have Danes up. In fact, one of them has Danes up 9%. I don't think RCP has the math right on this one. Uh, the one poll where Bullock is up is only by two points. And uh, so I, I think Pete Danes keeps this seat. So this one stays, stays with uh, the GOP. By the way, I just made a mistake. They don't have an aggregate there. They just, so of the eight, they showed eight polls. Two of them have the opponent um, up against Danes, but Danes is the Republican incumbent. The remaining seven polls or six polls either have them tied or I'm up. So Danes keeps that seat. And then you got North Carolina, Tillis. This, this race has been uh, a fascinating race. Cunningham, who's a Democrat challenger, is caught up in a sex scandal. And it's a pretty nasty sex scandal. More came out over the weekend where apparently they, he was having an affair with some woman and they, in his own wife's bed. They were, you know, so I don't want to get into the gory details on that, but I think this hurts him. And North Carolina just went positive for Trump in the polls. And again, I'm not saying we should follow the polls but polls give you an indication i think tillis hangs on to that seat so that's 49 for the republicans and then graham graham is going to win his seat that's 50 so i the, the republicans i believe hold the senate but then there's an interesting race in georgia uh we we have a runoff race going on or not a runoff but a potential runoff race the other senate seat who was Johnny Isaacson. He retired due to health reasons. And the governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp, put Kelly Loeffler as the Senate, uh, his pick for the Senate. And then along comes Doug Collins, who's a congressman, and he's a pretty solid Republican. Uh, he wanted that seat, but Kemp gave it to Loeffler. Well, Collins went ahead and ran against her anyway, so he's in the race. So you've got Loeffler, who's a Republican running, Collins is a Republican running, and then you've got a Libertarian, in which not in any traction, and you've got three Democrats. And one of those Democrats, Warnock, is leading in the polls. However, anyone to win this seat, this particular Senate seat in Georgia, they have to win 50% plus one vote to win. Nobody's polling at 50%. Warnock's polling the most at 39%. Then Loeffler at 23.4 and Collins at 21.4. Then you got Lieberman. Yeah, Joe Lieberman's son. He's polling at 5%. You got a libertarian polling at 25 Another Democrat polling at one5 So if you, <clears throat> this will go to a runoff. And it, the runoff's going to be between Loeffler and Warnock. Unless Collins can pull an upset win, and he very well could, because the race here is not to watch all the candidates. The race is between Loeffler and Collins in this particular Senate seat. Loeffler's polling at 23.4, Collins at 21.4. So they're pretty close. One or the other can get it. And I'm happy with either one getting it, because whoever wins between those two, Loeffler and Collins, will be the next senator uh, from Georgia. So if Loeffler wins the run and goes into a runoff with Warnock, she'll win the race because all of Collins' votes will come over to Loeffler and Warnock will not, he just can't overcome that. And the same thing will happen if uh, Collins wins, those Loeffler votes will go to Collins. So Warnock doesn't have, there's, the numbers aren't there. So whoever wins between Loeffler, whoever goes into the runoff with Warnock is going to win the 
election and be the next senator of Georgia. If it's Loeffler, she'll just retain her Senate seat. Now, I'm personally, I'm, I'm going to vote for Loeffler. If you're in Georgia, whatever, for whatever that's worth, Brian Kemp picked her. Um, she's okay. She's not the greatest, but she's okay. And I, I have faith in our governor, Brian Kemp. He picked her for a reason. I really, um, I, I wish Collins never got into this race. We wouldn't be dealing with this right now. Loeffler would be winning the race. She would win the race and and most likely, yeah, we may still have gone into a runoff, but chances are not as much. But because I think this is confusing the voters. So I think coming out of the um, tomorrow's election, the Senate uh, will stay in the GOP hand. I do believe it's going to be a tough one. Now, we do pick up the Senate. The Republicans do pick up a seat in Alabama. Um, you know, that Al, that Alabama seat was a kind of a one-off they ran such a horrible candidate for the last time it was a special election and that allowed the democrat doug jones to slip in there but the republican tommy tuberville is double digits above him right now so it's it's thrown in to the likely gop seat so i believe we picked that up but then you got colorado is another one a potential loss for the gop uh cory gardner who's in colorado right now is down again uh to his challenger john hickenloper uh, who is up eight points. Hickenlooper is a former beloved governor of the state. Unless the wave of Trump could totally turn this around and keep Gardner in there, I think he loses that seat. So I predict the GOP will keep the Senate. I think they're going to lose maybe one seat. You know, depending what happens in Michigan and Minnesota, or, um, yeah, Minnesota could pick up two. So if that happens... Eh, you know, there's a potential. It's a slim but none potential, you know. Um, it's a, what is it, slim to none, and slim just ran the, left the room. So it is a potential that the Republicans, with their 46 solid they have now, keep several of the seats, their toss-ups, and they walk away with 46, 47, 48, 49, 50, 51, 52, 53, 54, 55 in the Senate. Now, if they can get 55 in the Senate, that would be phenomenal. It's a long shot. Don't, don't hold me to that. But here's the key to all of this. It's all about mandates. And if you're a leftist, I'm not talking about an actual date with a man. I mean, mandates, meaning you have the power or the the uh, popularity to be bold in your policy decisions. If Trump does have a red wave, and he is elected by a wide majority, and he carries all of these uh, Republican senators back and a couple of new ones, uh, then he has a huge, and he wins the popular vote, and he has a huge mandate for an aggressive second-term agenda. And that's why it's so important that you get out and you vote, and you do vote party line, because we want this president, uh, not always president, All not always president. You don't want him always to have this mandate, but you want this president to have this kind of mandate so he can enact some bold initiatives in his second term. That and Because we know, watching President Trump, that he does care about this country and that he does have this country's best interest at heart, and he does drive the economic numbers. That's, his, that's what he wants. I mean, his whole thing is driving those economic numbers, and everything he does ties into that. These Middle East peace deals, treaties that he's, he's accomplished, all that does is help 
economically. Why? How? Well, it opens up trade. I mean, the NAFTA was a bad deal and he got rid of NAFTA and brought in another trade between nations and it helped. You know, he's negotiated tariffs or and he's threatened tariffs with China, which I didn't like at first, but actually it worked. Everything this president has done is to help this country economically, which is what he should be doing. He should be, as a president of the United States, helping us prosper. You won't get that with a Biden-Harris. They want everything to be equal. They want equality for all, which you can't have that. And it's not the government's role, by the way. It's not the government's role to help you lift up from your bootstraps. The way the government helps you do that is by deregulating business, taking away obstacles, which the previous administration put a ton of obstacles in the way. So if you want to help this country financially, to help your neighbors financially, to help yourself financially, vote Republican. Vote red, the red wave and this is the way to make it happen. So anyway, um, tomorrow is the election. I'm not going to get into the House races because there's just too many to get into, and I still don't believe in. Like I said, I want the Democrats to retain the House. They will have no power. It'll help with the balance of power in government, and we'll get to see them go insane. And then elect them out, boot them out in 2022, put the Republicans in. Then they got two years, two years to prove themselves. And if they prove themselves, they'll be rewarded in 2024. That's where I, that's the perfect scenario that I see is the Democrats keep the House, the Republicans keep the presidency in the Senate. They've already strengthened the judiciary. The Democrats cannot take it away. If they win the Senate, they will take that away. If they win the presidency and they win the Senate, they will stack the court to take away the power from the judiciary. If they stack the court, they'll put, there's nine justices now, five solid, solid, constitutionalist one very very squishy so i say we got a solid five four and a squishy six three they'll put in another six and they'll put them in those all leftists and remember the left when they appoint somebody to the bench the people they appoint have been consistent in their ideology the the right they try to appoint constitutionalists and it sometimes bites them in the butt the left always appoints leftists and they have been solidly consistent, solidly consistent. All right, I want to get into some other news because uh, I know there's an election tomorrow and it's going to dominate the news. It's dominating it today. Everything's about uh, election coverage, election coverage, and there's just so much. It's overwhelming. So let's, let's kind of browse through some other things that are happening in the news. And to, I won't say take a break from politics. Some of these things may be politically, but uh, and some of these things may not. One thing uh, I do want to clear up is you probably heard about this bus issue, the Biden bus issue over the weekend. So let me set the stage. So Biden's bus, and there wasn't, Biden wasn't on this bus, was on some freeway in Texas. And a bunch of uh, Trump supporters in their trucks and their flags were trailing the bus. They've done this in several cities. I think it's hilarious. And the one thing this president has been at is a master at trolling. So anyway, so the Trump supporters are following the bus, and it's hilarious. And one of a Biden SUV, a Biden supporter in the SUV, swerves into the lane of one of the trucks, the Trump supporter trucks, and, and, they hit, and he hits it. And the story, the narrative now was that the 
Trump supporters have driven the bus off the road. There are people that are actually saying that and believe that. The Trump support supporters have terrorized the bus of Biden supporters. The Trump supporter hit a Biden supporter. No, not And actually, the local police have come out and said that the SUV that had a Biden supporter in it was the one at fault. The Trump caravan or the Trump trucks that were trolling the bus. Yes, they were trolling the bus. Don't get me wrong on that. They were trolling. And and I have no problem with that. Uh, Never drove the bus off the road. Never got in front of the bus to try to stop the bus. They were just trolling the bus. So, well, anyway, long story short, since that happened, the Biden team, the Biden campaign canceled all of their Texas events. So with just like that, just like that, Biden gave up on Texas. (laughs) Just absolutely wonderful. So it didn't take much to get them out of Texas. All it took was them trolling one of their buses and boom, the Biden campaign has given up on Texas. You really think they're going to win Texas? They're not going to win Texas. For some fun, some other stuff. Here's the headline. Trump reacts after Facebook removes New Jersey woman for Trump group. Put them back now. The president says three days before Election Day. uh, That is absolutely appalling. The group's co-founder, Priscilla Priscilla Confrey, said. So three days before election, Facebook shuts down the New Jersey Women for Trump group. And they really don't give a reason for it. President Trump reacted on Twitter early Sunday after Facebook reportedly removed a New Jersey woman for Trump group with nearly 30,000 members. Put them back now, the president wrote around 1 a.m. in a message directed to the social networking giant. Uh, Facebook's move against the group reportedly came Saturday without warning just three days before Tuesday's presidential election and amid concerns that conservative voices are increasingly being blocked on social media. And they are. I mean, I've I'm shadow banned on Twitter right now. Uh, probably shadow banned on other sources. Been completely uh, banned from TikTok. And they didn't say the Facebook did not immediately respond to Fox News after hours request for comment. So I don't know if at this time they put it back up, but they've done this to several several conservative groups. They just shut them down. They'll state some kind of policy, but they'll never say what it was for. Like, for example, I'm banned from TikTok because I violated some community violations. Well, the last thing, the community violation they gave me is they took away the sound to a a video I did where Robert Wright, former economic advisor to Bill Clinton, said that if Biden wins, all of Trump's supporters should be put up on a trial. I mean, he said they should be put up on a show trial. So uh, that was the last violation I have. And then they banned my account. So big tech, big tech is actively suppressing conservative voices. We've seen that. We saw that with Twitter, with the New York Post thing. Will it change? You know, I, I, I'm, I'm a big advocate of limited government, uh, not really wanting government to step in and do anything. However, I'm, it, it's getting harder and harder and harder for me to have that belief with the, the way big tech does suppress people. I mean, Facebook is well over a billion people. Um, 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 YouTube, all, second largest with well over a billion people. Twitter, like 330 million people. Uh, TikTok was like 800 worldwide, 800 million people worldwide. These are huge platforms and no one else can come to the numbers. There are alternatives like Parler, which I'm on Parler too. I'm the PBL podcast at Parler, but, but they're nowhere near the size of the number of people that Facebook and Twitter have. 
And Facebook, which is mind boggling because their demographics skew older now and more conservative. Do, will they ever get it? I don't think they will. I think they have to take a huge hit economically before they get it, or the government's got to step in. I'm, I don't advocate the government stepping in. I'd rather them take a huge financial hit, and they have. Their stock has dropped recently with all this, what's going on. And in other news, left-wing director Michael Moore claims, remember that guy? Wasn't he in an Austin Powers movie? Bad bastard or something? He claims, look at this. I don't think a majority of Americans are proud to be in America, an American right now. Dude, dude, I hate to break this to you, um, but you are not the spokesperson for the majority of Americans. You are a left-wing radical. And you speaking for the majority of Americans uh, is absolutely foolish. And it, it also leads to the same thing, the same belief that you believe there are more of you than there actually are. The left thinks more people are like them than there actually are. And that's why they always get surprised at election results when, when the Republicans win. And that's what's going to happen now. I think they call them the shy Trump voters. Not so shy. It's no longer the silent majority. It's the shy Trump voters, the people who don't want to say I'm supporting Trump because of people like Michael Moore will try to make them look foolish and vilify them. This is what's happening across the nation. And this is what they are concerned about. The shy Trump voters, as they like to say. So um, <clears throat> I think it's going to be a big, big surprise to them. Because here, this is also what's happening across the nation. This is from um, Western, Journal, Western Journal Commentary. That title is, The Big Apple Once Was the Jewel of America, Now New York City and New York City Entering Full-Blown Crisis as 1.5 Million Can't Afford Food. New York City historically is thought of as the crown jewel of the Western society, of Western society. But what once was an iconic American metropolitan, metropolis, did I say that right? Metropolitan, is now a failing city that can't even keep its people fed. Following several months of the city's COVID-19 lockdowns, today more than one million New Yorkers can't afford food, the New York Times reported. Whereas New York's towering skyscrapers used to be the defining visual of the city, that image has been replaced by large crowds of hungry people lining up outside food banks. This is what you get with Democrats. I, you know, I, I, I love New York City, been um, many times, a few times, and I, I love the energy of the city. I hate what they do with trash, though. If, I know I've got New York listeners. I'm, I'm sorry. Don't mean to offend you. I love the city. Love the massive sidewalks. Love the energy. Hate what how they do their trash. And if you're not familiar, and maybe they changed it since I've been up there. But you get you stack your trash in black plastic bags, and sometimes the stacks are taller than you are, and you're literally walking by all this trash on the city. And it's usually on the side streets, not on the main main streets. But oh my gosh, I hate that. But I love love New York. Food, entertainment, shopping. I mean, it's just such a wonderful, expensive city. But you keep voting in people like Bill de Blasio. He's, he can't run again. This is his third term because he's term limited. How does this man get three terms? I mean, you would think after the first term, okay, kind of get it. Oh, we'll give him another chance. After second term, hold on. You own it. I'm sorry, New York City. You own it. You voted this man in three times. And chances are you're going to vote in another leftist after him. 
it's not it's not the obligation of the city by the way to feed its people we are america we are a capitalist nation uh yeah it's a mixed economy but people should have the opportunity to afford themselves the money to buy themselves food it shouldn't be the city the city shouldn't have to feed its people the people feed themselves but if you're a city like new york where you it's far left policies and you make it so difficult for business to thrive and people lose their jobs this is what happens this is new york city they got a crisis as one and a half million people can't afford food one and a half million people and regardless of how big the city is yes it's a big city but one and a half million people can't afford food you want to you you want this across the nation you keep voting for democrats it's time for the democrats and i know i was going to say not as much politics in this segment but okay more politics it, it, democrats need to be voted out of office period end of story one last thing and i'll end up in this segment is um and this is again it is about the election so i do apologize just uh I, that's what's dominating everything right now. There is a story that I read earlier today about Joe Biden and his cognitive decline. And uh, it's in the New York Post. And it says, Democrats are masking Biden's frailty. Um, and it's got, it talks about his um, rally in, I think it was Flint, Michigan. And uh, anyway, Barack Obama was there. And yes, it was in Flint. It was one of his car rallies. And they showed Barack Obama, they never showed the crowd, by the way, how big of a crowd or small, and I'm assuming it was a small crowd, but they showed at the end of it where the, you know, Biden came out, Barack Obama at first was like, Joe Biden, Joe Biden, Joe had to say it like three or four times before he finally came out. And he came out, gave his, his speech, uh, mumbled through a lot of things, said one of those silly lines that I played earlier. And then at the end, Obama mimed an elbow bump with his former VP to signal that they should leave the stage and then quietly whispered to him, after which it dawned on Biden he'd forgotten his mask. Uh, not for the first time. When your entire campaign is about mass shaming, this is from the article, Trump supporters, it's not a forgivable lap. So poor Biden looked like a chastened schoolboy as he fumbled through his folder and all his pockets looking for that pesky piece of cloth. So he walked back to the lectern and searched to no avail before fumbling through his pockets again. Finally, he found the mask in his left trouser pocket held it off sheepishly at Obama and placed it on his face. What she doesn't write in this piece, by the way, is he actually held up the mask, looking at Barack Obama and mimicked the words. You can see his mouth go, I found it. I mean, like a kid. She's absolutely right, like a kid. Then he put the mask on and he paused and he looked down on the lectern. There was a microphone. He picked the microphone back up and he put it to his mouth like he was going to speech. Totally, dude was totally out of it. Totally out of it. So, you know, that's going into the end of this election, people. This is where we're at. So Obama couldn't draw a crowd there. And this is where I'm going with this. This is why I had to bring up that story, bring up this last thing. I didn't, I was just kind of playing around with some, you know, I get, I go down to rabbit holes and information all the time, like reelected presidents. I'm like, who, how, you know, how did they do in electoral votes when they were reelected? Did they get more or less electoral votes? Meaning, you know, in the first election, let's say here, like, I'll use George W. Bush as a pretty good example. In his first election in 2000, he achieved 
271 electoral votes. Talk about close, right? You need 270 to win. He won it by two because you got to count to 70. So basically one over the threshold of winning one electoral vote. That's a tight election. Remember the big 2000 thing in Florida, the chads, hanging chads and all that. Not surprising. So in his second term, he won 286 electoral votes. So you, he, he bested his first term. He also won the popular vote next time. So historically, um, presidents who win their second term win more electoral votes. Uh, now, it's, it's been off on some, like Franklin, Franklin Delano Roosevelt in his first term won 472 electoral votes, then 523, then it dropped 449, then 432. Those are still blowout elections, by the way, even though it went down, but the man ran and won four times. But if you look at his first two terms, he historically, if a president wins a second term, they tradis, traditionally or historically, I should say, historically win more electoral votes the second time around. Uh, again, just a cursory view, it looks like that has not happened twice. Woodrow Wilson in his first election won 435 electoral votes. In his second, he won 277. He won, but a lot less. He was a horrible, horrible president. Leftist, leftist, leftist. Barack Obama in his first election, 365, and his second election, 332. Nothing to sneeze at. It's a solid win, but he dropped down. Barack Obama doesn't have the juice Barack Obama thinks he has. He doesn't have the juice the Democrat Party thinks he has. His rallies have been minuscule compared to what he was doing while he was president and when he was running for president the first time. This, he, he, people aren't as enamored with this man as they were before. And him coming out to help Biden, I'm thinking it just might have hurt Biden. Because people, I think it just energized the right to get out even more so. But, you know, the reason I went down this rabbit hole is just showing that Barack Obama doesn't have the juice that people think he has. He's not as popular as people think he is. In fact, I would counter that he's, he hurts Democrat tickets versus helping Democrat tickets. There are elections after elections after elections where Barack Obama got involved and the person lost. He's one of only two presidents in the United States history that had fewer electoral votes in his second term than his first term. So if, if Donald Trump does win his second term, and I believe he will, statistically, he's going to get more electoral votes. He had 304 in the 2016 go-round. I believe this time 324. Thank you for listening to this election coverage of the PBL podcast. One more day. One more day. We'll talk about this tomorrow morning um, or tomorrow afternoon. Uh, uh, you know, the votes, voting will be going on. And then Wednesday, of course, um, hopefully, hopefully we have the, the results and we know who won the presidential election and we can move on. And if it's Joe Biden, man, the conversation is going to get that much more juicier. Thank you again for listening to this segment of the PBL Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. Please like, share, follow, subscribe, rate us, give us a five-star rating on Apple iTunes, and please follow, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Politics and Brown Liquor. Woody would be most appreciative.